This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. God doesn't allow you to go through your trials and tribulations alone. God is with you. When we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Holy Spirit came in us, in our heart. Christ is in our hearts. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the Greek, it's a, it means I'll never, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. He'll never leave you alone. He will help you. If you stand fast, trust in God, seek Christ, pray to Him, have a relationship with Him, draw near to Him and He'll draw near to you. We all have gone through some struggles where we felt like we were completely alone. And that can be a scary feeling. In today's message, Pastor Eddie provides a comforting reminder that Christ said He will never leave you alone. Once you surrender to Jesus and accept Him as your Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. Pray and seek to have a relationship with Jesus, and He will draw closer to you. Trust in God, and you will never be alone. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 5, as he continues his message, warning to the rich and a call for patience. verse 7. He goes on to say, therefore, be patient, brethren. He's talking to the believer in Christ, brethren. Be patient, brethren. If you remember when Paul, I mean, when James began uh, writing his, this epistle in chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, this is what he wrote in verses 2 and 4, chapter 1. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I find that hard to do. I'm going to be happy when I go through trials and tribulation and suffering. But he said, count it all joy. Why? He explains it. Look at verses 3 and 4. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. This is what happens when you trust in the Lord through trials and tribulations. It'll either make you or break you. And We know people that they can deal with a lot. You know why? They know how to deal with it. But here, it talks it produces faith. It, faith produces patience, I'm sorry. Faith produces patience. Look at verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's why. Bring it on. Bring it on. Now, you may not say, wait a minute. I don't like this kind of preaching today. No, bring it. Trials and tribulations. It's going to make you. It's going to make you. Faith produces patience. Patience would have its perfect work. And then you will be complete, lacking nothing. Now, let me give you a couple of Greek words here so you can understand. Now, what we just read in chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, the word patient is uh, hapumone. That's, it is it, mentioned 23 times in the New Testament. It means, to be, it means steadfastness. It means endurance. That's what it means. That's what James was, the word James was using in chapter 1. However, here in chapter 5, the, the Greek word, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, but uh, the Greek word is different. It, it means to be of a long spirit, not to lose heart. Stand still. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. It's a different Greek word. And it means, it means to be even-tempered while enduring trying circumstances. 
And we, you, know, you may say, wait, that, that might be hard. He said, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't know. But I think I'm just like you, like everybody else. We all have our trials and tribulations. But you know what? I can go do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. God doesn't allow you to go through your trials and tribulations alone. God is with you. When we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Holy Spirit came in us, in our heart. Christ is in our hearts. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the Greek, it's a, it means I'll never, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. He'll never leave you alone. He will help you. If you stand fast, trust in God, seek Christ, pray to him, have a relationship with him, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. And when it comes to these trials and tribulations, you will be able to count it all joy because you're going to realize how God pulled you out of it. And God is faithful. It may seem impossible. It may, it may, it may, you may not even see it. You, never, never, you may not even see how you're going to come out of this, but you be patient. And trust in God, and God would help you. He goes on to say, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And so we're to be patient until when? Until the coming of the Lord. Now that may be at the rapture, and Christ comes and raptures up the church. Or that may be when God said, your time is up. Okay? You remain faithful unto the time of Christ. But Christ is coming. You see, the early church had lived in expectation for the imminent return of Christ. And so James is encouraging the first readers of the book of James uh, to have the attitude of patience while suffering through trials and tribulation. Be patient, he says, until the coming of the Lord. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever you're suffering, whatever pain, God's word says, be patient, for he is coming. And it's all for a moment. It's only for a moment, right? We, we just looked at chapter 4 when it says, a life is but a vapor. But this is what Paul had to say to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. He said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. It, you know, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it at the end. Amen. Let's, look, let's keep on reading verse 7. It says, Therefore be patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. And so the illustration, he's giving us an illustration, James, here, by giving us the picture of, of a farmer. And, and the farmer, he doesn't reap in the same time, the same day that he sows the seed, Right? He sows a seed. He's not going to come back in an hour and just start reaping. That doesn't happen. But as a farmer has to plant the seed, and what does he do? He waits. He waits. He waits for the rain, the latter rain, the, the, the rain of the fall, the rain of the spring. And only then as he waits, he sees the fruit comes up, then the harvest. And so look at it in the illustration that James gives us as far as patient. Look at the farmer. It takes time. It takes time to reap the harvest. And so now keeping this in context, you know, context is keen. The Bible was written in chapters and verse breaks, okay? So we need to read it together, not just take a verse and then all of a sudden start something. No, we need to read it all together. So in, 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 verse, in, in keeping this in context with verses 1 through 6, as far as the warning for the rich, he begins with that word, therefore, in verse 7. Therefore, therefore, because they will be judged... But you be patient. The rich will be judged. Okay? Because how they, uh, how they got their wealth and how they committed fraud and how they wasted. But you be patient, you see. You be patient. 
And so the time would come when God would judge. He would judge. He would judge, and all the wrongs would be right, and the believers would be rewarded in the fullness of Christ. Let's look at verse 8. He says, you also be patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, he's mentioned the coming of the Lord three times in this passage, in verse 7, 8, and 9, because Christ is coming. The hope and the belief of the promise of Jesus Christ, our Savior, is to re return for the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ, is at hand. And James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is saying to you and to me, establish your heart, get your heart right. Be patient, but get your heart right. Christ is coming. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, Peter writes this, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Amen. Now let's look at verse 9. Do not grumble against one another. Do not grumble. So now he, he, he's now giving us another exhortation here uh, because what happens? The early church, they suffered extreme persecution. They were mostly Jews converting into, into Christianity. Okay, they found the Messiah. They found all the Messianic prophecies that were prophesied in the Old Testament. They found that Jesus Christ, Yeshua, is the Mashiach. And so they surrendered their lives and they accepted Christ as the promised Messiah. But then the family uh, kind of ostracized them. Oh, you're one of those people. Uh, so they were unable to work. They're being persecuted both by Jews and Rome at the same time. And so... During that time of persecution, it's not uncommon that the victims of the persecution start, you know, the persecuted, they start turning against each other. So much pressure. They're frustrated. And as they are frustrated, now they take it out on each other, realizing, hey, we're not to be enemies with one another. A battle's not with flesh and blood. But it's against the enemy, Satan himself. And so he say, do not grumble, you know. He says, verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And so he's saying, be careful. Jesus Christ is standing at the door. Now, that grumbling is not something that's spoken out or, you know, like where you say the words, oh, I hate this guy. Can you imagine? Yeah, wow. That's going to bring a lot of attention. So, oh, man, this guy, you know, whatever it is. Grumble. We grumble sometimes. But you may think that they may not have heard what you're grumbling about them, but God hears it. It may not have come out of your mouth, but God knows in the heart. God knows the heart. That's why Jesus said, if you commit murder in your heart, you already committed murder. Wait a minute. I didn't even get a knife or a gun. No, in your heart, according to God, if you commit murder in your heart, you already committed murder, even if you didn't follow through with it. If you committed adultery, in your heart, all right? They didn't even do it, you know? God said, it's adultery to God. See, it's all here. It's the heart. We need to be careful, especially when we're in the house of God. We need to encourage one another. We need each other, especially when we're going through trial times, you know, some trials and tribulation. And we need to follow what Jesus says. We need to love one another. And Jesus said, the world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's in John chapter 13, verse 35. But by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How do they know you're a believer in Christ, each and every one of us? By the love we have for one another. That's how the world would know. So why are those crazy people mean up on that hill on Route 6 in Milford? Well, we love Jesus and we love one another. 
That's what it's all about. It's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Verses 10 and 11, he says, My brethren, take the prophets. And we're talking about patience. He's going to give some examples. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endured. So there are many great examples in the Bible. That's why we have the Bible. That's why we study the Bible. How did James, uh, Jeremiah pull it, pull it through? How did Daniel pull it through? Daniel went through a lot. He was thrown in the, the, the lion's den. Jeremiah was falsely accused and put into prison because he was speaking for the Lord. And then he was put into a, a muddy cistern uh, upside down. And then he was killed. But he persevered. He said, you have heard, he goes on to say, you have heard the perseverance of Job and has seen the end attended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And Job is a perfect example of one who endured suffering, pain, and loss. If you read the book of Job, you'll find when you read chapter 1, it, it tells you he lost everything. He lost his home, he lost his business, he lost his cattle, he lost everything except his wife. I only say that not because I, get, I love my, my wife, hey, that's a blessing right there. But I'm just saying, his wife started telling me, why don't you curse God? She, didn't, she was no help. <laughs> but listen, in the story of Job, chapter 1, he loses everything. And here's the perseverance. It takes another 41 chapters when we get to chapter 42 is when God restores everything to him, double. And he still has his wife. It took 41 chapters. And that's how God works. It takes time. Persevere, stand, stand strong, hold your ground, trust in the Lord, seek God. He will help you. He will sustain you. He will keep you. When you feel, Lord, I can't go anymore, that's when you really pray. And it's going to make you. So he lost everything, but God gave it to him. And it says, the Lord is very compassionate and merciful, he says here. And as the Lord has been faithful in blessing and restoring Job and all the saints in the Old Testament in the Bible, so too God is faithful and he will bless you and he will restore to you everything that the enemy has taken. Just endure, be patient, stand your ground. Christ is with you. Now, there are a lot of false teachings out there. You know, the very people who became wealthy out of people's money, the preachers and the proclaimers, the prosperity preachers, they say, oh, you shouldn't be suffering if you're a Christian. I say, I don't know what kind of Bible you're reading, but everybody suffered. Everybody. Genesis, all the way to New Testament, all the way to our Christ, Jesus. Jesus suffered on the cross. So don't say that Christianity is nothing, we shouldn't be suffering. No, we will suffer. That's the best part about Christianity. It builds us. It shows that you're a follower of Christ. If you're not suffering any kind of persecution, then you need to examine your walk with the Lord. But we all suffer. We all suffer. They say, oh, Christians should suffer. That's a lie. Because according to the Bible, not only the Bible give many examples of those who have suffered have made it because God kept them. But even Jesus Christ said that you will have. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said this, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. You will have peace in Christ. In the world, you will have tribulation. You will. It's not if or when, you will. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. 
you see. Everybody, you know, think about it. We're going to suffer. Jesus suffered. You understand. I like what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verses 29 and 30. This is what Paul wrote. He wrote this. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him. That's great. We believe in Jesus. Great. Hallelujah. Here's the other part you may not like. But also to suffer for his sake. Okay. End of lesson. Let's go home. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. You believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah. I'm a Christian. Praise the Lord. Okay. He says, it's been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe him, but... Also to suffer for his sake. Here's what it goes on here further in verse 30. He says, having the same conflict, that word, I'm going to tell you what that word means, which you saw in me now, here is in me. He went through, that word conflict in the Greek is the Greek word agon, from where we get the English word agony. Being a Christian is no walk in the park. We're not better than people who don't know Christ. We're better off. I'd rather have Christ in my corner as I live my life and go through trials and tribulations. I can't do it alone. So if I'm going to go to trials and tribulations, I might as well have Christ. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All things, not some of the things, all things work together for good. It all works out at the end. And then you look back and say, wow, I'm so grateful to the Lord. He kept me. I didn't give up. He has sustained me and he has kept me. Christ overcame the world and we have him as a savior. And finally, verse 12 says, but above all, my brethren, another topic here, do not swear. We're not talking about a curse word. Explain that a little bit. Do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. What is he saying here? Don't swear. Don't say, I swear to God. That's the worst thing. I remember when I, we used to say it as a kid. Ooh, we got a beating. Bronx style. Bron- I'm telling you, my parents are from, and we got a beating. We never said that. In other words, he's saying, let people know who you are, that when you say something, you're a person of your word. You're a man of your word. You're a woman of your word. And when he says something, oh, believe it. Right? Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. Jesus said, let, not, let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more, anything you add to it, any swearing, this is from the evil one. So when you swear and you say, oh, I'm telling you the truth, believe, I'm going to get friends. I'm gonna, you know, they say, oh, you ever hear this? I don't know. I swear to my mother's grave. Oh, like if you lied, your mother's going to come out of the grave? What does that mean? Or I swear on this. What do you mean? What does that mean? That doesn't mean any, it holds nothing. It's foolishness. We don't need to swear to anyone or anything. Just let your yes be yes and your no's no. Anyone that adds to that, Jesus said, is from the evil one. Don't try to deceive people. I don't know if you heard that rhyme. You probably heard it. He said, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Remember that when you were a kid? You know, that sounds great, but you know why? If anybody says that, don't believe them, because you know what? There's another half to that, to that little rhyme, and not many people know. So I'm going to read the whole thing to you, and you tell me if you want to believe someone who says that. It says, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Wait a moment, I spoke a lie. I never really wanted to die. That's the rest of it. <laughs> so it's good to know the truth about these. Don't Listen, let your yes be yes, your no be no. And that is simple. Do not swear. Be careful of the words you use. God knows whether you grumble, 
whatever, you, you, you lie, let your yes be yes. Understand, don't say I swear. Oh, God's honest truth. Forget about it. Yes, yes or no. Anything else, you will be judged. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that every word that you say, you will be judged for. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36, 37, it says, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in that day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. And I tell you, James is a tough book. By the time we finish with this, we're going to have a medical bus out here because, boy, did he really hit you. And there's no holding back. James is real. It probably puts everything in perspective. Don't worry about the rich. Let God take care of them. You be patient. You be patient. Stand fast. Christ is at the door. He's at the door. I don't know if you remember, you know, when you were a kid, you went to school, and the teacher would, you know, leave the classroom. Remember? That was fun time. Teacher left the better, right? Mrs. Cramtree or Mrs. McGill- <laughs> or Mrs. McGillicuddy. Those are the names of the teachers from Little Rascals. That's how I got it. But anyway, whatever your teacher may be, the teacher leaves the room, and then all of a sudden, right, the kids are going crazy. Now, you know you've been there. I've been there. Trust me. <laughs> and so throwing airplanes, paper, and you're screaming, you're yelling, you're running around, and all of a sudden, the teacher walks in. What happens? Everybody's quiet. And there's always one kid. It was the last one on the chair, right? <laughs> that wasn't me. I was able to, you know, God forgive me. But, <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's how it is. God is at the door. And he's going to judge the righteous and the wicked. And judgment unto condemnation for those who rejected Christ. And there will be judgment for those who are believed and, for, and you will give an account for what you have done as a believer in Christ. Judgment's at the door. You worry about your righteousness with, God, with others and, 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 and your godliness with God. It's godliness and righteousness. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. You don't have to worry about all the commandments, 10 commandments, which is 613. You don't have to worry about that. Because you start, you can't fulfill the first commandment, let alone the other 612. Have no other God before me. Because, but if you concentrate on love, real love, not worldly love, people don't know what to love out there. We're talking about godly love. You love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You don't have to worry about the laws that offend God. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, You don't have to worry about the laws of stealing from him, lying to him, murder. I don't have to worry about all the other laws, the commandments. God, neighbor, be faithful. Honor God with your life. Amen. Aren't you glad you decided to join us today on Running the Race? We've learned some great truths about authentic and passionate confidence in God that transcends all the ugly sin in this world and our own selves. We pray that God's Word has touched your heart today and motivated you to continue in the good fight of faith. Running the Race is a radio ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. 
Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church and hear more messages. Would you prayerfully consider donating to this ministry with your finances? Your giving of any size is appreciated more than we can say. If you're able and the Lord is leading you, you'll find a Give tab on our homepage, runningtheraceradio.com. As we're working hard to put the message of Jesus into as many ears as we can, we acknowledge that we can't do it alone. So please pray for open hearts to receive Jesus. Pastor Eddie has more to share with you, so make sure to come back again for more here on Running the Race. 